Crucified to the world. Crucified. Before we even get started, I'm going to ask the Lord to bless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help this morning. We are frail and vain at best. Lord, we need you this morning to speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would speak through your word, that the Holy Spirit might minister and teach us like only he can do. God, that we'd be moved uh, to realize that we have victory over sin. We don't have to live in bondage anymore. So God, I pray that you'd help me and hide me behind that cross. And Lord, uh, just speak to the people's hearts. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6 is going to start reading in verse 11. Just to get some verses around our text verse, verse 14. Paul says in verse 11, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And Paul closes out the book of Galatians. In a sense, reminding us as he has through the whole book that salvation is completely of God. You can't earn your way to heaven. Only God can do it through faith that you put in His in the finished work of Calvary, through His Son, Jesus Christ. It was finished at the cross. But also, our sanctification. Not only our salvation, but how we live each day. Cannot be settled in the flesh. It has to be settled in the Spirit of God. We can't put any confidence in our flesh to walk with God. Only in the Spirit of God. We are free right now, if you are saved, to live for Jesus Christ. You are free to walk with God if you want to. And the chapter 5 and verse 1, just across the page, says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul's talking to those Jews who were told that they had to be circumcised, and that being circumcised helped them be a better Jew. Now look, all Jews were circumcised. It was an outward it was an outward thing that happened to the, to the Jew to confirm that he was a Jew. It was a covenant that Abraham gave them. But it didn't make them a better Jew. It just made them a Jew. It didn't help them keep the law. It just meant they were circumcised. But in Christ, circumcision or no circumcision availeth nothing. Only a new creature. Only the fact that we are saved. That we are born again. Now, we don't glory in the flesh. We glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where our glory is. Now, we've been learning. We've been learning what it means to love not the world. And I just thought this might be a help to you. 
to know that you already have the victory in Jesus Christ. If you're struggling with sin, it's because you want to. It's because you choose to. Don't blame God. None of us can blame God for, for the things that we do that uh, when we sin and we, we do things against God. It's our fault. It's because I've chosen to put myself back into bondage. But we've been learning about how to, what it means to love not the world. We learn that worldliness or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is that which is not of the Father. It's right there in the verse. If you want to know what is the lust of the flesh and eyes and the pride of life, it's that which is not of God. It's that which is not of the Father. Would God do this? Would God look at this? Would God partake in this? Is this how Jesus would respond? It's not of the Father, then it's not of God. Then it's the lust of the flesh. We learned how Jesus handled temptation and the devil and all of his devices and his wiles, the Bible tells us. He's sneaky. And he tried to sneak up on Jesus. But that didn't happen, did it? Because Jesus depended on God and He depended upon the Bible. And that's what we're to do. And then I mentioned briefly about being crucified to the world. And that the world is crucified unto us. And that's what I want to talk a little bit more about today. The reality is that we do not have to give in to sinful temptations. Now there's a lot of preaching out there about sin, about sinless perfection. And no, I don't believe in sinless perfection. You cannot be perfect as far as not sinning. You will sin. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Amen? That doesn't mean we shouldn't try not to sin. Like we talked about last week, when am I going to tempt God and sin? God forbid. Why? Because I'm under grace. Now I can just sin whenever I want and just ask forgiveness? God forbid. That's no way to live our lives. Let's strive to walk with God. We don't have to live that way anymore. The reality is, we don't have to give in anymore. Romans chapter 6, verse 7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. And if you're born again here today, you're also dead, and the old nature is dead. What I mean by that, it is powerless over you. We let it reign in our mortal body. We don't have to. We allow ourselves to get caught up in sin, but we don't have to anymore. No excuse. Now, if you have a new nature, you have to ask yourself, are you saved? Do you have a new nature? Because there's a lot of people out there praying prayers and asking Jesus into their heart, but they never repented and they never got saved. Now, I don't know what people think about repentance, but it's not a work. It's an attitude of the heart that says, I'm lost. And I'm sorrow. I'm in sorrow for my sin. And that is, it's like two sides of the same coin. Faith and repentance. And that's where the seed of faith can generate and bring forth salvation in the heart that is broken over their sin. I've sinned against God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever got truly born again? Because if you have, the old nature has been crucified. Now verse 12 and 13, we read them. You know, it says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. As if, as if it can help you in some way to be circumcised to be a better Christian. Lest they should suffer persecution for the cross. For neither they themselves who are circumcised, they don't keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised somehow that they may glory in your flesh. That somehow being circumcised is going to help you be a better Christian. That's not going to happen. 
There's nothing we can do in the flesh to make us a better Christian. Just like it didn't, circumcision didn't confirm you a good Jew, or it helped, or help a Jew keep the law of Moses. The circumcision didn't do that. We have nothing to boast about, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not in our salvation or our daily work with God. What we have to boast about is there's been a circumcision of our hearts. God has changed us. He's taken away the old and He's put a new heart in there. And we can walk with God. That's what ought to get us excited. So the cross, crucified. What does that mean practically to us? Well, you all know what the cross is. It's a place of death. The cross is where Jesus died. And that's why when we read in the Bible, take up your cross and follow me, the flesh says, uh-uh. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to die to the things that I'm doing. I want to do what I want to do. Well, then you can keep doing it. But you're not walking with God. And you're going to suffer the consequences of sin. But you don't have to anymore. Because the old man, that old nature, which you still have in you, has been made, rendered powerless. You can have victory. Every day, walking with God. Now the flesh hates the thought of the cross. That's what Jesus struggled with in the garden. That sin was going to be placed on Him. He knew it was coming. But our flesh struggles with the fact, I don't want to be nailed to a cross. The flesh hates the idea that it can't do what it wants to do. The cross repels some, but it also draws sinners to freedom. And that's what we have. There's nothing I can do in my flesh to make me one whit better as a Christian. Nothing. In fact, in chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, that doesn't help, nor uncircumcision. What helps then, Paul? Faith, which worketh by love. My faith, my trust in God, my depending upon Him is what's going to help me walk each day with God. Now we are dead. We are dead to the things of the world and the things of the world are dead to us. That's what it says in the verse. By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. They're dead to me. All the passions and the pleasures and the draw and the desires and the enticements and the snares, they're there, but they don't have power over me anymore. They don't have, they don't reign in my life anymore. Jesus Christ reigns in my life. And I need to yield to Him and not to that old nature which is crucified on that cross. Now in the text we see that we are not to glory or boast about anything. But the cross. Why? Because God said so. (laughs) He said, God forbid. That's not what we glory in. We don't glory in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. Because that's where the sin debt was paid. That's where we got victory at the cross. The cross is where we identify with our Savior. The cross is where we identify with our Savior in His death. Because when He died there, you died too. You died with Him. You were crucified. That old man, that old nature was placed on the cross. Isn't that what it says in Galatians 2.20? Didn't Paul say, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. 
Present tense. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's why I wanted to sing that hymn. Christ now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's okay. We have to live in the flesh. This is the body that we walk around in. But we don't walk after the flesh. We walk after the Spirit of God. But Paul said, I am crucified. He was saying that old man is dead. And we can live for Jesus Christ now because He lives in us. And we have a new nature. We do not have to live like that anymore. There was a man named George Wyatt during the Civil War back in America. True story. Apparently he was in the battles and some of the battles, but he was on the back lines during the Civil War. And uh, no chance of him really getting killed, but suddenly the lot was drawn that he had to go to the front lines. Well, George Wyatt was married and had about five or six kids. And he didn't want to go up there, but his lot was drawn and he was going to go up on the front lines. And Richard Pratt, I guess he'd have to be a friend, the only way I can think of it. Richard Pratt, who was single and didn't have any children, he said, I'll go. And I'll go as George Wyatt. George said, go right ahead. And Richard Pratt went in the name of George Wyatt. Took his number and took his name. Guess what happened? Richard Pratt died. Richard Pratt died. But in the name of George Wyatt, he was a substitute. Later on, they came back to George Wyatt and they said, uh, we're still trying to get some more. We need more people up on the front lines. The, the battles are hot and heavy and we got to get more people up on the front lines. He said, I can't. I'm dead. You're not dead. He said, no. Richard Pratt went in my place. He was my substitute. I died. Look, look in your books. George Wyatt died in the battle. Whatever. Guess what? It's what Jesus did for us. I'm dead. I'm dead because of Jesus. He died in my place. I'm dead. How are you dead, Dan? Right there, Jesus Christ. He's my substitute. He went for me to that cross and died in my place. That's I am crucified with Christ. He went to the front lines for me. Now look, you picture a cross, and here we are hanging on it with Jesus. Not physically, that old man is hanging there on that cross with Jesus. That means, brethren, we died with Him. That old nature died on that cross. Now picture a cross on the other side with the world hanging on it. And all of its desires hanging there. And here you are on the other one. The, the difference between them is, is, is as far as the east is from the west. One cross has the lust and the sins of the flesh hanging on it. The world, there, crucified, rendered powerless toward me. And I'm on the other cross with Jesus. We glory in the cross. We glory in the cross of Jesus Christ because that is where our altar for self is. That is where we have to lay it down and say, I will not live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. He died for me and gave me the power over sin. I'm not going to peel myself off of this cross 
and go and try to pull down those dead things that God has given me freedom from and start living that lifestyle again. I don't have to. I'm dead to it. Just imagine yourself desiring those things that hang on that cross. Let me just say it's possible to live free of sin. It's possible to live free of addiction. Old ways and old friends and vile lifestyles and a bad attitude because we've been crucified with Christ. The old man is dead. The old nature that was in Leo is dead. It doesn't have control over you anymore unless you let it. And that's what happens with us. We just allow the old nature to take control and lead us around instead of the new nature that God speaks to through His Word. The old man is dead. Christ now liveth in me. By our identification with Jesus Christ, the world in its sinful ways has lost its draw and lost its power. Now think about that. It has lost its power, but has it lost its draw? You still kind of desire some things in the world, some ways of the world. You still want to do those things that you used to do. And now you've been saved. They're dead. They're lifeless. They're hanging on a cross. And we have freedom. We're not under sin's bondage anymore. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. This kind of says in a different way what that text tells us. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We heard that before. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now look, when you look at this, and it talks about in verses 1 and 2, we are justified. Just as if we'd never sinned. We are going to heaven by grace. Been forgiven. That's God's work. Justification. But sanctification, walking every day in that victory and, and walking with Jesus Christ and living for Him, that's our responsibility. That's sanctification. And that means you're going to have to yield to the new nature, not to the old nature. Now this idea of a physical water baptism in here doesn't fit. When you are baptized after you're saved, you show forth the, the death to the old self, the old, the old life. You are buried with Christ and you're raised to walk in newness of life. You're outwardly showing that in baptism. But let me tell you, this happened when you got saved. Verse 3 says, Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. 
That's talking about when you got saved. When you got saved, that old man was put on the cross and crucified. And Jesus Christ gave you a new nature. He gave you a brand new nature. But the old one's still there. That's still in our flesh. There's no good thing that dwelleth in me except Jesus. That is in my flesh. It's nothing but that sinful, old, corrupt man, that old nature, that Adamic nature that I inherited from Adam. It's still there. But it doesn't have power over us anymore. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Sin's dominion has been broken. Now you're either going to believe that or you're not. But that's what the Bible's telling us. We can walk with God. We can live for Jesus Christ. We have that power in us. It's Him living in us. We're empowered by the new nature. Verse 5, For we have been planted together. It's like two plants going right next to each other. United with Him in the likeness of His death. We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Praise God! Every one of us in here that's saved is already fit for heaven. We are already bound for heaven. We already sit in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. I'm not, I'm not in sin anymore. I'm in Christ. And so are you if you're saved. We identify with Jesus Christ at His resurrection. We are ready for heaven. And verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified. Present tense. It's crucified right now with Him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. Our salvation was a crucifixion of the old man and a new creature being born in us. A new nature. The new nature is not the old man plastered and fixed up and made to look new. You don't make the old man better. Your flesh will always desire to sin. Your flesh will never get better. But you do have a new nature in you. And it's not the old one plastered up and patched up. It's brand new. You know, if I was to take an arrow and put a bullseye over there, and I took that arrow, and that arrow is us. And that bullseye is the cross. And I wanted to take that arrow, which is us, and then put on the end of the arrow a big ball of wax. It might not fly so good, but we're going to get it into the, we're going to get it into the bullseye. That ball of wax is sin. So we went to the cross, that's us, the arrow, and, and the arrow went into the cross and went through. Clean as a whistle on the other side. But that wax stayed on this side. Jesus Christ bore our sin on the cross. I don't bear it anymore. He already bore my sin on the cross. I've already come out the other side. I'm already going to heaven. In fact, I'm already sitting there right now with Jesus. Now why in the world would I want to go back to my old sin? Why would I want to live there when I'm already in heaven? Do you understand? Positionally, we are in heaven. Practically, we're not living like that. Some of us are living still in the bondage of sin. Why? There's nothing keeping you there but your own choices and your own will. We have nothing 
to glory in the flesh. The glory in the cross. The arrow went straight through. I'm resurrected with Him. I'm walking in newness of life. And all the sins on the other side. I'm not going to take that to heaven with me. Those things that we used to do and now have now have no power over us. We're free. I was also reading about the Civil War and the fact that Lincoln, who was the President of the United States during the Civil War, 16th President, and, and the North, obviously, uh, wanted to abolish slavery. South didn't. But in 1863, some two years at least into the Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Lincoln on New Year's Day, 1863. Do you know every slave in the Union and supposedly in the South that they were fighting were now made free? They were just as free as any other person. They were all created in the eyes of God. That was part of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. We're all free. We're, we're all free in God's eyes. But you know what? They didn't, news didn't travel like it did, does nowadays. And months and months later, they were still slaves, living as slaves and thinking they were still slaves. They didn't even know where they were free. But guess what? There's Christians here today that have been made free and you don't even know it. Now, what little, I can, what little truth I can get across to you? It's right here in your Bible. You're free. You don't have to live that way anymore. That power comes from God who lives in you. And the wax is on this side. The sin is on this side of the cross. We're on the other side. We're already free in Jesus Christ. Cleaned up with a new nature. We can live in victory. We can live in victory. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with sin and you're saved, it's because you've chosen to allow those things back into your life. There's no other reason for it. God has left us here crippled. He's given us a brand new nature to live for God. And if I'm not living for God, then it's my fault. I've chosen to live that way. Sin doesn't have to reign in your life anymore. Romans 6.6, 6, the word in that, in that verse, knowing this. It's something that we can know here. Verse 11 says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Reckon it. Don't just know it, but believe it now. Believe it. And then verse 16 says, Yield. But God be thanked, I'm sorry, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Can a Christian sin unto death? Absolutely. You can keep on sinning until you die. And the sin that you're doing might be the sin that kills you. Wages of sin is death. That doesn't change because we got saved. You can still physically die because of the sin that you're committing. I'm just saying you can know it, you can believe it, and then you can begin to yield yourself to Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God that lives in you. And you can live free every day. You can live a sinless life. Will you do that? No. Because we still have this body of flesh. Paul screamed 
about this body of flesh that enveloped that spirit of his, that wanted to live for God, but he still had to deal with it. It's full of sin and that old nature. We're going to fail, but we don't have to fail like like we've been. We can live a better life. Let me just read to you. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body. On the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you are healed. God's changed us. He's, packed, he's made us new again. By the stripes. By his sufferings. We can live unto righteousness now. You know, the world and God are total opposites. Total opposites. God wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. The world, the world has nothing but death in it. To live according to the world, you're just going to live a life of death. Romans 5.12, you're right in Romans verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all of sin. That's all the world has to offer us. That's all the flesh has to offer. Flesh begets more flesh. Death. God wants to give us life and give it, give it to us more abundantly. The world has death. It's the old Adam's nature. Sin. And a Christian, a Christian living a worldly life is going to be miserable. Good. The more miserable, miserable we are, the better we'll be at getting that life straightened out. Because that's the Holy Spirit telling us, why are you living like this? Why are you allowing yourself to be holden by the cords of sin again? Why have you put yourself back into a house of bondage when you've been made free? A Christian living a worldly life should be miserable because positionally, we're new creatures. And practically, you're living like the old the old way, the way you used to live. Here's an interesting verse, John 16.33. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you may have, might have peace. A lot of people don't have peace today. Christians, I'm talking about, have no peace. Why? In the world you shall have tribulation. No peace. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Why do we want to go back and live in the world? And all the tribulation. And all the problems. God has a solution. Know that you're free in Christ. Know that you've been given a new nature and you can live for Jesus. It's a choice that we have to make. You know, the world thinks little of Christ. You can see that today. Kathy said, I keep saying the same thing over and over again. It's only because I'm getting older. I keep repeating myself. But we've had this conversation before, she said. Because, you know, you go out on Sunday morning and it's only because you're a new creature that all of a sudden... You wonder why everybody's bicycling. Why is everybody not in church? Now, you know why they're not, but she goes, you say the same thing every Sunday. I said, that's because I'm getting old. I repeat myself. But the world thinks little of Christ, and so did we. But when a Christian thinks little of Christ, that ought to burden us and cause us to weep and talk about a month of prayer. We ought to be praying for ourselves, praying for each other. That we live for Christ in a Christless world. Where, where Christ is, they turn their backs and there's no thought of Him. We keep going. We keep trying to be salt and light in this world. Remember the, the world set Barabbas free. A murderer and a thief. But Jesus, He was nailed to a cross. 
God showed what He thought of that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I wonder if you've ever been born again. If you've ever asked Jesus Christ to save you. You know, if the believer walks with Christ, they will be seen in the same way. The more you live for Jesus, the more different you are. <laughs> the cry will go out, crucify Him! Well, they might not actually crucify you, but they won't like you. They won't like you because it's like it's like turning the light on in a room that's been dark for a long time and all of a sudden the light goes on and the bugs go. I'm not saying people are cockroaches. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the light they're scurrying for the darkness that they're used to. When you start telling somebody that they're lost and that they're going to go to hell, they are repelled. Darkness is just the absence of light. They have no light. And when the light starts shining in, they're like, because they're dark, they're in darkness. And they want to get away from it. But some actually, God opens their heart and they, and that grace comes that they can hear the gospel and be saved. And some people accept it and receive it and listen. But you shine the light in the darkness and gone. Men love darkness. There's the verse. John chapter 3, verse 18 or 19. And men love darkness because their sins were evil. But God be praised, the, the cross has cut off the believer from the world. The cross has cut us off from the world. Amen. If you want to live for God, you can. If you want to. I'm just trying to say, that we are free to live for Jesus Christ. And the resurrection brings the believer into a whole new life in association with Jesus. The world may have crucified Him, but God highly exalted our Lord Jesus Christ and lifted Him up. And nothing else is needed to be free and live free that cannot be found in Jesus Christ. Everything that we need can be found in Him. We are complete in Him, Colossians tells us. Now, I just want to go over quickly three things. Kind of jump into another area now, but just to help us. Hopefully, just practical things. Some important things to remember. And the first is that we need to walk in the Spirit of God. If we're going to live for God, we're going to have to walk in the Spirit. You cannot truly worship the Lord when you're near to the world. You're going to have to put the world in the rearview mirror. You're riding down the road and you look in the rearview mirror, you're seeing what's behind you and you're heading away from it. The world ought to be in our rearview mirror all the time. I'm pointing my life towards Jesus and the world's back there. The closer to Him that you get, the greater distance it'll be from the world. You know, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is a good illustration of walking in the Spirit. Exodus chapter 3. Moses and the Hebrews are going out of Egypt to worship and serve God. Exodus chapter 3 and in verse 10. Come now therefore and I will send thee, God speaking to Moses, unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Remember, Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the world. 
I'm bringing them out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. you got to come out of Egypt in order to serve God. Too many people sitting on the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in Christ, and thinking they can be a carnal Christian. Well, there are carnal Christians, but they think they can serve God and still sin. And God's okay with that. Because, you know, six days out of the week they serve me, but one day out of the week they don't. That's okay. No, it isn't. It's not okay. God wants us to come out of Egypt. He was bringing His people out of Egypt so they could serve Him and worship Him. You can't do it in the world. That makes me think of my own life. How much of my life is dedicated to worship? Now, I don't mean that I'm bowing down somewhere, but in my heart, I'm worshiping You, Lord, because I'm not in the world. What I'm doing today is for You. And in a sense, I'm serving You and worshiping You. Because that which you worship, you serve. And that which you serve, you worship. Who's your God? We, like the Hebrews, have got to constantly keep the focus on the Lord and not the world. God wants us out of the world. Now we're in the world. But I'm talking about being of the world. Being like the world. Look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Walk in the Spirit. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. What's God telling us? That He's delivered us from the bondage of our sin. This is where He's giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. He said, I'm the Lord God. I'm the one that you serve. And I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I mean, why would we want to go back? How much did they murmur and complain to go back to Egypt? What do you want to go back to? What do I really want to go back to? The years of bondage when I was an addict? Taking drugs? Destroying other people's lives of my own? Do I really want to go back to that? After God has put all that sin on the cross and I'm an arrow that's come through the other side and He's cleaned me up and given me an opportunity to serve Him? Why would I want to go back? I don't think any of us want to go back to a life of sin. Do we? We don't want to be like the pig that's returned to the wallow or the dog that's gone back to his vomit. We've been delivered. Even Joseph wanted out of Egypt. In Genesis 47. In Genesis 47, if you want to turn there, uh, verse 30. It's interesting. In Genesis 47.30, Joseph says, But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And you know what? They took Joseph's bones up out of Egypt when they left. Joseph didn't even want him to stay there. He didn't even want his bones to stay in the world anymore. We're told to come out 
from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Why does this feel like sometimes these words just bounce off us and they don't mean anything? They have no effect on us. We're told to come out. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Come out from among them, Dan, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I just think we don't want to. Turn back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. In verse 16, Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, <clears throat> walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust, of the, the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Let God lead. Let God take control. Yield to Him. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not. There's not even a question about it. If you walk with God, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Verse 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lusts. You know, verse 22 and 23 is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That should be our goal. That people see Christ's life in me. I can't do that in the flesh. Only Jesus can produce that fruit in me. The new nature. Walking in the Spirit. Only the new nature can produce that life. Not the old. Galatians, Galatians 5, 24 and 25. Crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts. Take up your cross and follow me. You know, if we are Christians and we are alive, we've been born again, we're alive in the Spirit, then our lives should be influenced by the Spirit. Wouldn't you think? I mean, if I'm a born-again Christian, shouldn't I live like one? I mean, if I work at McDonald's, shouldn't I wear a McDonald's uniform and a little McDonald's hat? But being a Christian, shouldn't I look like a Christian, walk like a Christian? Shouldn't I? Yes. And so should you. We should walk in the Spirit of God. Not go back to the house of bondage. Now ask yourself, how you doing? How you doing? Because I have to ask, <clears throat> ask myself the same question. You know we need to trust in the Lord. Go back to Exodus. Exodus 14. Trust in the Lord. Faith. We are to walk by faith. You turn to Exodus 14. We're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible determines the course of my life. The Bible is supposed to determine my path. The Bible says in Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me who I am, where I am, and where I'm going. It's the Bible that determines my life now. Not me. You know, it should be a burden. It should loose the burden off us. God, You just direct my life. You're in control. I yield to You. God's steering the ship. He's at the wheel. This is His life. He bought and paid for it with the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. So, He's in charge. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians 
whom you have seen today, you shall never, you shall see them again no more forever. Amen. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. What an illustration of Moses and the Hebrews having to learn to trust God. Hundreds of thousands of people backed up against the Red Sea in between these two outcroppings. Nowhere to go but looking at the Egyptian army bearing down on them. And what is... What does God say? Fear you not, stand still. You ever been in some fearful situations and God says, stand still. I'll take care of this. I'll fight this battle. That's what He said. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Just be quiet and know that I am God. Stand still and watch what I can do. Trust me. I can fight this battle for you. I can do amazing things that you can't do. Wait, I say. Wait upon the Lord. Sometimes you can't do anything because you can't do anything. But sometimes you shouldn't do anything because you can't do anything. There's nothing you can do that can help. So sometimes it's good to just go, Lord, take care of this. Because I can't. And I don't even know what to do. It's out of my reach. I can't change that person's heart. I can't get my brother saved. I can't make him saved. I can't change the way somebody might be living. I can't do that, Lord, but you can. Would you fight this battle? Would you help? Help me to just stand still. Then he says, go forward. Well, you know what they, what was ahead of them? <laughs> the Red Sea. And I don't know that the whole Red Sea opened up all the way. I think it may have opened up as they put their feet one in front of the other. And the wall of water just moved. We walked by faith. Step by step as the water parted for them. And they walked on dry land. Not mud. Dry land. Go forward. You know what that means? Now when God says do something, trust Him. And obey Him. No questions. You know one thing that bothers a parent Jimmy, would you go get the bin and take it out to the curb? Why? Because today's the day they take the bins away, Jimmy. No, you don't have a little discussion with them. He should just say, yes, okay, and do it. What's all the discussion about? But we have discussions with God. Now, not that I don't even know that he, it bothers him as much as it bothers us when, when we have a back and forth with our children for five minutes about why he should do something. I think God doesn't mind that as much. But why are we questioning God all the time? When He says something, He means it. God's never said something and went, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, that word, get that back. Everything God says, He means. And all we need to do is obey it. Go forward. Okay, but there's water in front of us. Go forward. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but I've been there. Go forward. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I just had to trust God. And you, and you may have been in the same situation where, are you sure? <laughs> you know, at, t- at times we need to stand still and other times we need to go forward. But both of them can be just as hard to do. And some, for me, sometimes it's, it's stand still. Give me something to do, Lord. Stand still. You can't do it. Give me something to do. Some way I can help. You can't. I'll take care of it. I'll fight this battle. 
But both of them require trust. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Both of them require faith and trust. But know this, (coughs) you can trust Him. You can count on Him. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 20. Isaiah 30, and in verse 20 says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, sometimes He allows it, like last week we learned, and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. There's going to be, you're going to know. You can trust God. He's going to direct. He's going to help you know what to do and where to go. You have a course prepared for you. You have the will of God for your life. There's a purpose for what God is doing in your life. Trust Him. You can count on it. When you hear Him talk to you and speak to you through the, through the Word of God, trust Him. Trust in the Lord. And finally, make sure your children go with you. Turn to Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. And in verse 8, don't forget those precious souls, those little ones. Don't leave them behind. Stand guard. Whatever you have to do, don't lose your children to the world because it's happening all the time. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 8. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God, but, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, and with our flocks, with our herds, will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones. Look to it, for evil is before you. So Aaron, I'm sorry, verse 24 too. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Now Moses and Aaron and the Hebrews took their children with them. But they also wanted to take their herds to sacrifice unto God. You know those herds? Those beasts that they wanted to take, that was their livelihood. That's all they had. That was all their possessions. That was everything. And they wanted to take it to sacrifice it to God. And by the way, God's given us the responsibility of raising our children. Just because Pharaoh was going to let them go didn't mean they shouldn't take their children. It wasn't up to Pharaoh. You just need to agree with God, Pharaoh. We're going out and we're taking our little ones with us. It's not up to the world to make the decisions for your children. It's up to God through you. Your authority is God. Their authority is you. And the more they see you as their authority, they'll they'll be able to come under the authority of God. God gave us the responsibility of raising our children. Many of us have already made mistakes. Maybe got saved later in life. Don't give up. Don't give up. God gave you the responsibility of raising your children. Don't give up. You know, we need to be willing 
to sacrifice our jobs, our money, our cars, our time, our talents, our treasures. Yea, in our life. Just like these Hebrews, we're going to take everything that they had, which may have just been, oh, some cows. They didn't have anything else. But they were going to use it to sacrifice to God. What are you sacrificing to God? What do you have? What possessions do you have that you said, Lord, they're yours. However you want to use them, they're yours. We need to be willing to do that. Willing to sacrifice. What a pity, though, to leave the world behind you and your children still in it. They will suffer greatly out in the world. The world hates them. The devil hates them. And the world doesn't love them. Don't try to be your child's best friend, by the way. Don't be their best friend. Be their parent. That's what they really want. They want you to be their parent. They want the guidelines. They want you to say, no. That's not, you're not going there. You're not doing that. That says, I love you. And I wouldn't let you do that. But you don't have to be their best friend. In fact, you should be a wall of sin. You should be a spiritual wall to all the sin that can come into their lives. As much as you can, you stop that sin at the door. You stop what's coming into their eye gate and the lust of their flesh and the lust of their eyes and the pride of life. You try to stop as much as you can of that. So, Because you're going to have to answer to God just like I am. Don't give up on your children. Fight, fight, fight. All the way to the end. Don't leave them in the world. And also, you need to bring nothing out of Egypt with you. I know they used to burn CDs and all that. Man, if I, I didn't burn it all. I don't even know what happened to it. But it would have been a pretty big fire, all that junk I used to listen to and the rock and roll and you too. Burn it! Don't bring it into your new life. God's put a new song in our heart. He's given us new new things to, to love and enjoy. Leave all that stuff back in Egypt and leave it hanging on the cross where it belongs. It's dead unto me and I'm dead to it. Crucified unto the world and the world is crucified unto me. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Why? Because the next verse says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants a holy people. And He says to us, you have the victory already. You've been taken out of the house of bondage. You have your little ones with you. And you can live for Me. It's My will that you would be holy in a world that is unholy. That you would live for Jesus Christ. That you would desire to say this morning, Christian, I want to be like Jesus. That's what I want to be like. I want to be like Jesus. Now, have you ever asked Jesus to save you? Have you ever asked Him to save you, but you were still clinging to your sin? Now you say, why do I say that? I remember when my son Danny, at 14 years old, I don't know if he's starting to smoke cigarettes. He was probably doing things he shouldn't be doing, obviously. But I remember him asking me, Dad, can I get saved and, and still do the things that I'm doing? Like, no. No. You can't get saved and still do the things that you're doing. You know what that showed me? Not that he might not have wanted to get saved, but he wasn't ready. 
He wasn't repentant. There was no, that seed was going to go in and the cares of this world or something was going to choke it out and it wouldn't have brought forth fruit. And it didn't. He had to wait and wait and wait and finally he repented. Finally he got saved. Some of you may have already had baptisms. So was baptized three times. Finally, the last one, I think it was because he really got saved. I'm just telling you, you here today, thinking because you got wet that you're saved? When did you get saved? When did you trust Jesus Christ, not clinging to your sin, but repenting of it? Broken that my sin put Jesus on the cross. Because that's the way I felt. That night I, I got down on my knees and asked Jesus to save me. I, I, in a sense, hated myself. I said, my sin, I can't believe what a sinner I am. I don't want to go to hell. How did you get saved? Or did you repent? Turn away from your sin and you looked to Jesus Christ to be saved. Christian, we are freed from the bondage of sin. We're free from its power. That's a reality. That's the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. The Bible says to take up your cross. We need to take up our cross and live out that truth. What is that truth? That we are crucified unto the world and the world is crucified unto us. Let's pray. Your heads are bowed, please, and your eyes are closed. As I look around, I just want to see you just talking to God. Deal with God about your own life, I, I would like to ask, are you born again? Have you been born again? Do you know for sure that you're saved? Can you remember when you got saved? When that load of sin, that burden of sin was taken off your back? Can you remember that? If you can't remember when you got saved, if you can't remember a time when you were born again, when that took place in your life, I want to ask you, not to raise your hand, but would you just look up at me? Just look up at me if you've never been saved. You don't know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. You've never been born again. You're not sure. Just look up at me. All right, Christian. I pray that we'd realize that the world is crucified unto us. And we are crucified under the world, but we have something to glory in, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. We can glory in the fact that our sin was paid for, that we're going to heaven. The Lord, not just that we're going to heaven, a Christian that, that we can live, that we can live a life that honors Jesus Christ right now. We can live as a Christian and make a difference in a world that is just dark sinful. We can be the light. We can be the salt. But we need to make a choice in our own lives to live above the things of the world. We have the victory. We have the strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the Spirit of God as He directs our life. Trust Him. Go when He says go and stand still when He says stand still. Christian, I pray that we wouldn't forget our little ones. We wouldn't forget those in the other room there being taught a Bible lesson. Those that are in here that 
have a lot of growing up to do yet. They're still ours and we need to guard against anything that could come into their life that would hurt them. So God, I pray that we would walk away today knowing that we have the victory, but that we have some work to do. And we need to believe the Bible and trust you. Father, I just pray you bless in the invitation. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.